0: Welcome to the Conqueror's Forge Martial Training Podcast. This podcast channel is about bringing you the best advice for young people on how to become decisive, responsible, effective leaders. Today's podcast, I introduce Mr. John Anthony. John is an accomplished martial arts teacher in Filipino martial arts. John has spent years training in Filipino martial arts and various other martial arts systems. Today, John and I discuss his past and how it has influenced his training and teaching ability. John makes mention of some incidences that happened while he was still at school and how they've affected him and what decisions he took to move forward from those incidences. John's story is one which would resonate with people, especially who've suffered at the hands of bullying and through the psychological and emotional fallout that comes from experiencing bullying. If you'd like to meet John, you can contact John through the Conqueror's Forge Martial Training website as John is one of our teachers. John provides education on mindset and training in practical self-protection. I'm here with John and uh, John is a very good friend of mine. John and I we've known each other for what three years? Three, four years. Three, yeah. four years. Yeah. Uh, John, you've been someone, I, I reckon that is has stood out from the crowd that I've normally associated with, and I, I think that that's what sort of uh, that's what's drawn us together. Mm, I agree. Yeah. Okay. So, John, tell me a little bit about your history.
1: All right, um, I'm 55 years of age, so I was born in 1963 um, in Scotland. Um, but our parents, we, we moved out to Australia in 1964, um, lived in Victoria, Tasmania, uh, New South Wales. So my dad, I think, has part of Gypsy in him. He just, he just likes to move around a lot. We we're very unsettled. Um, my schooling, it affected my schooling a lot as uh, well because I went to probably about 10 different schools in my yeah. short period of you know, being in school and stuff with that factor being new being a new kid every school I went to um I was a shy kid at the time and was very sort of um uh, withdrawn because it's hard to make friends when you're always a new kid which basically put a target on my head I was a, I was a, a victim of bullying a lot from my earliest school days right until high school uh, and also being alone you don't have friends to to back you up and stuff so it was just it was it was a tough time for me but um
0: you'd say it was lonely
1: i was lonely yeah i guess i was lonely i was i was uh, i was a weak person back then i was like uh, what
0: do you mean by weak
1: weak emotionally mentally and physically uh, i didn't have any sort of you know attributes i'm not a big guy you know? Do you do you
0: think that looking back now, you you would call the John of back then weak, but at the time you didn't think
1: you were weak? At the time, mm-hmm. I was. Um, I thought I was actually uh, stupid because of my, my my schooling. When I first started going to school in well, like primary school and stuff, um, it was all right. I, had, I actually had the the paper that mum gave me later on about you know my grades are doing all right, and then we kept on moving from school to school to school, and it just digressed and digressed and got worse and worse. So it affected my mental health, thinking that I was stupid or, or dumb, um, which caused you know anxieties and stuff, and saying, "Oh, well, you know, no one's going to like me," and stuff. It just affected my whole my whole um, outlook and
0: your perception of the world.
1: Yeah, I I just thought I was just I was just too weak for the world. Okay. Until uh, something snapped in me, and uh, being a victim of of bullying in schools, I'm talking about real bullying. I'm not talking about you know cyber bullying and stuff. Where you can turn your phone off or whatever or computers. I'm talking about physical bullying from gangs. From the earliest age, uh, we used to have to run home from school every day.
0: How violent do you think it was on a scale of one to ten? Say with one being you know you know push and shove, and ten being Knives and sticks.
1: Well, I never had anybody threaten me with a knife or a stick uh, back in those. This is back in the nineteen seventies until nineteen seventy nine. But it was gang related, a lot of gangs and stuff, and being a new kid and stuff. And um, but I was a really good runner. I could have been a champion runner. I, I tell you what, I used to call me Wormy because he used to just dodge and you know. Dodge everybody and just run and run and run. Mm-hmm. It was uh, so I basically fit in that way because mm-hmm. I basically had to run home from school every single day. Mm-hmm. I dreaded going to school. Sometimes I'd, I'd run home from from school halfway through the day. I'd go in and, and Mum say, "What are you doing at home?" I says, "Well, I'm bleeding again and stuff." And um, the teachers would couldn't help you because know, it's like you know. You know, kids are kids, you know.
0: What do you mean they couldn't help? Did, did you actually go to the teachers and uh, say such and such was picking on me or they just said, sorry, John, you just got to deal with it?
1: Well, they always, you know, this back then, even today, it's not sure, teachers can only do so much, you know. What are they going to do? They're going to try to chastise every child, you know, your boy and stuff like that. But I got to a stage in my and. Uh, I think it's uh, Um was the first time that I actually decided to not be a victim anymore. And um, can you describe that? That
0: that's really interesting that you say that you, you you've basically gone from this guy who got picked on, and for lack of a better word, you you felt or you saw yourself as a victim, and then you said. You snapped, or something changed. You decided that you weren't going to be a victim yeah. anymore. Can you describe that process that you went through to make that decision?
1: Uh, I can describe it. Actually, before that, in primary school, I I told my dad about being bullied and stuff like that. He it was about six, seven kids that were this gang were just going to pick it on me constantly, trying to get in a fight with me and stuff. So my dad came this, to the school. Uh, when it's closing and stuff, and he got all these guys lined up, and uh he said to me, he said, and he said to he said, "Oh, you guys just stay there. You know, he picked picking on my son." And I thought, "Oh, he's going to champion for me." He says, "Okay, John, I want you to. <laughs> line these guys up. You're going to fight evil one of them one at a time."
0: So your dad set up a fight.
1: My dad set up a fight with me to fight seven guys.
0: Seven guys at once, or one
1: at a one time. One at a time. He's going to make sure it's going to be one at a time. And these guys were. Tough bullies, and I was a weak little kid, and I just, I was so humiliated, humili, humili, humiliated, humiliated, humiliated. And I just said, no, I can't fight them, Dad. I don't know how to fight. And it basically made it worse for me.
0: How? This is because I don't think I've ever heard
1: of this ever. Yeah, my, my dad, I think was trying to toughen me up. Um, obviously, it backfired on him because I didn't want to fight, because fighting one person is bad enough, trying to fight seven guys in a row. And I don't, you, in karate and stuff, we used that, fight like 40 guys in a row, and it's freaking tiring. So, yeah. as a small child, you know, in primary school, they wanted me to um, toughen up and just go for it. And then these kids were laughing. They were just like, this is great, you know, we mm-hmm. can beat up his son. Every single one of us do. That was in primary school. In high school, the situation when I was snapped, uh, this guy named Robin Alexander, who was, he wanted to get to this uh, gang or this group. Boys, so he was um had a task to perform, and that was to pick a fight with me. Uh, so he stole a protractor of mine, you know, at school uh, schoolyard protractor thing for uh, maths. And I saw him take it. He knew I saw him take it. And I said, you know, "I can have it back," and he said, "No, I didn't steal anything." And one thing led to another, a bit of push and shoving, and I accidentally bumped him and gave him a bit of a little of a shiner, you know. But then he said, "Right, you're you're gone," you know. And for about two, three weeks, he kept them um, like uh, stalking me through the schoolyards and stuff like that. And I'm just trying to avoid him all the time. And, and these friends are all coming. He's going to get you. He's going to get you and stuff. I, I
0: just I have to stop you there for a second because I'm really interested about that scenario where your dad set up that fight. How did you look at your dad after that? Did you feel that your dad had betrayed you?
1: Did you... Yeah, I did. Yeah, I thought he. I thought he uh, that he uh, put me on the spot. Uh, he didn't tell me what he was going to do, and it it made me feel even worse. It made me feel like you know, why'd you do that? You now you have made it even worse for my situation because you know, you expected me to fight these guys, really. You know, mm-hmm. I was a small kid in primary school, and and you wanted to be lined up with all these kids who like to fight, you know. Yeah, it was just that to me it was, um I was just so ashamed. You know, I felt shamed.
0: Do you think that that shame sort of drove you to drive you to where you are today in a
1: small way, even? Um, yeah, it, it still affects me. Um, if I hadn't have gone into the martial art world, I probably would have been a serial killer or something, or some some I would I would have been. You know, you hear these kids are getting bullied at school, and then they take it out in the whole school and stuff like that. So that's it. Um, it was it was a um, horrible time in my life, having to feel that.
0: How long do you feel that that instance haunted you?
1: Um, it haunted me until, actually, uh, until I f- stood up to to the bullying in. In high school. In high school. Yeah. All that period of time, it was just.
0: For all that time, it was just being built up and built up and you bottled it and nothing happened until that moment in high school where you decided that this kid who stole protractor, basically.
1: He was the linchpin. Yeah. He was the last drawer. So anyway, as he's taunting me, he's going to find me and uh, get to me and beat me up. And it's still in my head today. I can still see it plain as day. I was walking down the corridor and we had the, the, the school, rooms, the school um, classrooms on the on the right-hand side and down the end of the hallway there's a doorway that goes out to the courtyard and he was down there. There was a couple of people down there as well, waiting to get to the because our class is right beside that doorway. It was locked. The door was locked there. So he, he locks the 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 um, door out to the courtyard. I go, here we go. I felt this is like, this is the moment. I'm not going to walk away anymore. I mean, I got to turn and walk away, but I had to go to school, and that was the classroom I had to go to. And I, this teacher wasn't there yet, so I thought, that's it. I'm not going to walk away. Anymore. I'm not going to run. And I had my hand, handful of books and stuff. So I got to the, um, to the front of the school um, room, and I put my books down, thinking I'm not going to be japped. And I have my hands forward, he's, you know, waiting on me. And then he um, he came up to me and he, he started to hit me in the face, you know, Like punch.
0: slapping you or punching, punching you? Punching
1: or... stuff like that. And
0: if you couldn't remember that moment, was it were they punches that you thought or you felt were proficient or you just thought they were just sort of softening you?
1: They so if he, often, he when he when he started punching me and stuff, this this realisation came over me. He doesn't know how to fight. He wanted to get into this gang. The punches were, and you, you know yourself, when you're focusing through a punch into somebody's face or body, you don't hit the front of the face. You hit to the back of the head, mm. you know, so you've got the impact, the, the force going straight through to the to the other side of the of his um, head, you know. You hit, hit through the target. You hit through the target. He was hitting at the target and something in my head went, is this supposed to hurt me?
0: So, would it would it be fair to say that at that moment in time for you, even though you were getting this physical contact for whatever reason and however it is we you describe the mechanics of it, the pain, the pain was almost non-existent.
1: I didn't feel a thing. I literally didn't feel a thing. All I felt was like a taps on the face, you mm. know, and, and and my my brain goes. I'm not feeling this. Is this supposed to be hurting me? This Did fear f- cross your mind? Once that started happening, it didn't. So leading up until that point... I was
0: I was shaking. You were scared. Yeah. You, you, I'd imagine you'd be scared for your life because this isn't something that is considered normal, especially here in Australia. Um, you, kids don't go to school with the expectation that they've got to fight for their life, literally. So you've just endured this event where... This video, so to speak, has been replaying in your head in every different way and multiple different endings and they're all scary. And you get to this point where this kid is just apparently is trying to hurt you and you're like, well, this is nothing more than a flying landing on my face.
1: Yeah. It changed changed the whole whole, uh, concept of what was happening. Mm. And then the fear just went out, but then something else happened the anger came out what was it it was he was just the wrong person at the wrong time you know i lashed out and i basically closed my eyes and took three swings and when i opened my eyes he was on the ground um blood nose two black eyes his face was an absolute mess i i think it was all that rage from years and years of bullying i i took it out on this poor kid you know we were both the same age mm. But he just copped it from it's just like a, a volcano just erupted on me. Mm. And at that time I saw, and I just closed my eyes just bang, bang, bang. Every one of them connected and they weren't little taps.
2: Mm.
1: I literally just pulverized him mm. on the spot. He's on the ground there, just his you know face was I've, I've never seen any it looked like he'd been you know three rounds with Mike Tyson, mm. you know. Um <clears throat> So after that happened, we he obviously went to the infirmary to get fixed up. We had to mop up all the blood off the floor. Uh, then the teacher came along and somebody says, Oh, teacher, did you see all the blood on the floor? Because we'd obviously didn't clean it all up and she said what happened. And um what happened was um was both myself and Robin and Alexander went to the head office for the headmaster. He went in there first, uh, came out crying. I uh, went in the second, and uh, being a new kid, um, the, the teacher said, we don't, um, well, the headmaster said, we don't,
0: uh, uh, we don't tolerate bullying.
1: Tole- we don't tolerate <laughs> bullying. And I, and I told him, he said, well, I told him exactly the story, and says, look, I'm a new kid, I've always been picked on and stuff like that. And anyway, so he said, okay, leave it at that. So as um, as i walking out, and, robin's telling all because he came out crying i don't know what happened to him in in, in the interview or whatever came out and he's telling all his friends that he got the cane because back then it was corporal punishment in schools Mm. so he said oh i got the cane and he didn't get the cane because i didn't get the cane so everybody hated me then all the school just said oh you know you're you beat him beat him up and then he gets the cane and you get nothing and so it was just even worse for me as far as like you know, being... You've just been
0: ostracized that much more oh, for because sure. of that. for sure. So if looking back now, I mean, this is, what, 20, 30, even 40 years. 40 years ago. 40 years, 40 years from when this event happened. How do you think you would advise the younger John back then? If you could go back now to a minute before that, Event took place. What would you say to the younger John?
1: Well, in the, in the headmaster's office, or before the first punch was thrown? Um, well, I probably. Would... I think he did the right thing. To be honest, um, really, I don't understand the question. Uh, so that's, you've you've actually. Um... I always said. I always said I would have done it earlier. If I if I'd have gone back and seen myself, I would have just said, "Don't be a victim."
0: Don't, don't regret yeah, your I, decision. Yeah. So. Uh,
1: even though I was bullied after that, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't regret what I did. Mm. Um, what actually happened was the teacher found out, our, our um, school teacher found out that and went to headmasters because I was getting picked on even in, in the class Well, the teacher had it back to the thing, people throwing stuff at me and stuff. Mm. Uh, and yeah. Uh, she found out about it and she went to the headmaster and found out that Robin Alexander didn't get the cane. He had lied to everybody telling that he got the cane mm. and he had to apologise to me in front of the <laughs> class, which is more humiliating. He got totally beaten up. Yeah. Then he lied and he got to, had to be... Um, actually, that, that week was also the week we had to have school photos taken. He wasn't there to have his photo taken. He literally had... He was that bad, they couldn't take a photo with him, so he missed out That's that school photo. Wow. Uh, so, so in that case, so that that was one, one incident. Then there was another incident with another bully. Thought, so, well, he must be a fighter. So he he's one of those guys that really is a nasty ter- sort of person. Mm. You know, killing small animals and stuff. He'd been known to kill small animals. Just a really nasty one. Mm. Robin, I think, was just uh, a victim as well. He wanted to get into this gang. I don't think he. I don't think he had any malice towards him.
2: Mm. But
1: towards me, he just he just wanted to be. Uh, Part
0: of, the, part of the gang.
1: So to me, he wasn't really a bad person, but he just copped it. But this other guy, uh, uh, Nikki Taylor, I remember this guy's name, but I remember, don't remember any other names of these two guys. <laughs> Nikki Taylor was the typical badass bully, you know. Yeah. And it was after um, sports and stuff in the uh, uh, locker room getting cleaned up and stuff, and he just thought he just started trying to punch me. And I, so it took you
0: for surprise. You didn't well, know this punch was coming.
1: Yeah, but it, it didn't hit me or anything like that. And uh, But I just thought hey, it worked once, I'll try it again. So I just started swinging like a windmill. Can't, I can't fight for crap mm. back then, but I just used all force and stuff. And I literally just bombarded him with these punches and gave him this massive big fat lip. And I thought, oh, wow, two fights in at least two weeks, you know.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, then my... Uh, my woodwork teacher, John Deacon, came up to me privately and says, did you hit Nicky uh, Taylor? I'm definitely going to get this cane this time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, definitely, I'm definitely going to, because he was a tough guy. John Deacon was a short, stocky little guy with a big beard. And, he, and the, he was really good at giving people the cane. Um, and I thought, oh, definitely going to cop it. But I didn't want to lie, you know, because actually he knew my dad. My dad just got a job there as a school teacher as well. And they're good friends. And and I, I didn't want to lie because I lied to him. He's going to tell my dad I'm going to get bitten by dad. So I said, I did, actually. I'm sorry. And he put his hand out. And he shook my hand. And I I was surprised. I'm, I'm expecting to get like okay, a hand out and get, you know, get the cane. But no, yeah. he shook my hand. And he said, I know about your your situation. You're, you're, I'm good friends with your father. Yeah. And that you've been bullied all your life and that you finally stood up to yourself. And um, and I also teach judo, judo instructors, so I think a fifth degree black belt back then or something. He mm. says, would you like to learn um, judo? And I said, definitely. And that was my first introduction to the martial art world.
0: Mm. How old were you when this happened? 15, okay. 14, 15. So this would have been year nine?
1: Yeah. Year nine, year nine was um, was the fight. Then I started judo. It was the end of the year nine sort of thing. So year 10 um, was my first sort of year of judo. So mm. it was 2000, uh, 2000, 1979. Yeah. Uh, was when I started doing the actual training. With my, my dad used to come along with me, so we'd go together and just learn judo and stuff. So,
0: so your dad trained as well? Yeah. How far did your dad get into it?
1: Um, he got to Orange Belt. Okay. Um, I only got to green belt and judo, but it took me about five years to get that level. Why? Uh, judo was a tough. I always think it's one of the hardest to get a grading in it. Um, they're not. They're not sort of handed out to you. You know, your black belts and stuff not handed out like a like um, crawl packets. You know.
0: Do you think that was specific to that teacher, or do you think the whole system is like that?
1: The whole system is pretty like pretty much like that, or maybe I was just a slow learner. I don't know. Mm. I mean, I was a slow learner, but I was determined. That was the thing. But I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I think it was about we spent about four or five months just learning how to break four. Okay, that was you know, that's that's how you learn. And we had when we started in the judo class, we had the white belts or the weren't even white belts. You just basically an upgraded person. Um, you're on the side there, just learning how to break four, right? And there was probably about 12, 12, people, 12 students. And then you see the other guys out there with the graded belts and stuff, the green belts, blue belts, brown belts, whatever, black belts, just training stuff. And I'm just looking at them, oh, I wish I could do that, I wish I could do that. But we had to learn how to break four, learn how to break four. By the end of the about four months, it's just that my dad and myself, everybody else had quit. I think it was a weeding out process. Mm-hmm. If you can handle, just learning how to break for for four months, four or five months, right? And that's all you're gonna do. And you get sick of it, it's not for me. It was a weeding out process. It was a tough, tough time too, you know. Mm. it was but I, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: How did you how would you have rated John as your teacher? He
1: was he was very, very good. He's actually quite well known. I don't know if he's still alive or not, but I know his daughter is uh, as National coach with the judo, uh, judo um, association for Olympics and stuff. Mm-hmm. Very very highly rated. He was the highest rated, one of the highest rated guys in, in Tasmania at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, then he's one of his black belt students. Chris Willing was a really really good judo judo instructor as well and a top top fighter as well. He won a lot gold medals and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but they were they were good. They and I felt like I was a part of something. You know, I I went there. And I wasn't. I felt at school I was always bullied. This place, I felt like I belonged there. They um, they brought me in. Obviously, John told the guys that this guy, this kid, needs help mentally, mm. physically, and emotionally. Mm. So it was it was a good um, good feeling to be part of something like that.
0: That's really. Um, I think that's really that was really big of the, the teacher to do that because I'm of the belief that. Generally speaking, and as it should be, a teacher, especially a martial art teacher, should offer at least some of the emotional, the mental, as well as the physical uh, to their students. I know that, especially here in Sydney, there's tons and tons of schools that don't. They just focus specifically on technique, or they may... Focus specifically on theory, or they may focus specifically on one little piece of what could be called development of a student. And yet, in their advertisements in the newspaper, on the internet, or Facebook, or whatever else, they're trying to peddle that they're teaching self-confidence, or they're teaching self-defense, or they're teaching courage, or this, or that, or whatever. Uh, looking back now. And you're you're quite an accomplished teacher now, and as well as a long-time student. How do you think that the landscape has changed with martial arts in Sydney? Do you think that it was like that all the time for everyone, or do you think that that type of teacher that John was really doesn't exist anymore?
1: Yeah, it's um, it's I believe today's. Um, structure has changed a lot. I mean, not am st- not saying all of them, but there's a lot of – it's become very commercialized, money-orientated money, ro- money orientated sort of, okay, this is, we're going to make some money off these. And it's like a, a lot of the schools and stuff I see is just mainly kids, little kids, and it's basically a, a babysitting mm. um, thing. It's probably cheaper than getting a babysitter, sending your kid to, to – whatever whatever mm. martial art it could be you know mainly it's it's mainly the things like taekwondo or or uh um, or karate or some of that which very sort of mainstream sort of style of martial arts yeah uh and and you see them they've just got kids kids classes everywhere all mm. the time and it's just okay send these kids in here now i'm gonna go off to shopping or whatever you know it's just that it's and I look i'm not saying all of them are like that i know some i i know some uh instructors that are, I think about the mental health of people, and they're doing things for for um, for their um, for their students' emotions. Mm. Uh, this guy named uh, Warren Davis, he's got his own system. Uh, he combined it with um, his judo, karate, um, uh, silat, um, uh, tai chi, and now is screaming because I'm part of the organisation. Mister Stephen Gregory Jones, um, him and uh, Warren sort of co founded this group and they have another eighth degree black belt in um, in uh in judo. Uh his name is um can't remember his name. Um but they they've started this group, but it's down near Picton area. And a lot of the kids have like, from broken homes and stuff. So he he doesn't do it for the money. It's, it's basically a gold coin donation, you know, you just a, but he does it for the students. He he said there's a lot of kids down there that need guidance mm. um, you know anger management stuff so he's he's an ex copper mm. most of the guys are ex police uh, who, who teach there so they've got it's almost almost like a community sort of um, center for, uh, but teaching martial arts and martial discipline and he he's got a great uh, passion for for the kids mm. you know I see that with him but there's, I've seen other schools and stuff where it's all about the money
0: yeah it's, it's like a sausage factory though the kids come in expecting to be graded at a certain yeah. amount of time after they've joined up, and then it's the parents that actually dictate whether the child gets graded or not because the parents can effectively turn around to the instructor and say, hey, we're not here anymore because my child is too good to still be a white belt after so many months and you haven't graded him or her yet. Yeah,
1: it's true. Yeah, I've seen that, and it's like I've talked to some instructors who has had... Parents like that, you know. A parent comes in and says, "Well, you know, why isn't he getting great? Everybody else is getting great. Well, maybe he's not coming to classes often. Maybe he's not practicing at home. Maybe he's not doing this." You, you get what you put into it. Yeah. You know, some kids are slower. I mean, I've had I've had students myself who who have difficulty in learning, have difficulty in uh, in um, in sort of understanding stuff. But I give them as much, if not more, attention than. The guys who are gifted, mm. purely because I care for them. They they come to 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 learn, and they come to uh, be part of something. And that's to me that's more important than than how many how much skills you've got. And uh, that's mm. secondary as far as I'm concerned. You know, mm. and you know I'm not a natural gifted martial artist. It's only just the only reason why I'm so high in, in ranks is is because of how long I've been there, and then just determination. My my best gift or my best Uh, Ability is is longevity. is is just stubborn. You know, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. Willpower. Willpower. Mm. And I don't. I'm not a super fit. I'm not super um, dynamic. You know, Um, I'm not a. I'm not a fast learner. I mean, it's taken me 40 years to learn what I've what I've got. But Mm. to me, my my superpower is is just just uh,
0: stick to it. Stick to it. Yeah. But with that said, I mean you you wouldn't have been graded, you wouldn't have accomplished this rank that you're at now without demonstrating ability. You you've definitely got ability. It's it's not it wouldn't be fair to say that you've only been awarded that rank or that level, which is recognised everywhere, that and which is just based on time in it.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: Yeah. Now there are some systems out there that that do that, and that's fine. But um, even so, by the time a student reaches that point, they've just they've demonstrated ability far and above, beyond or far and beyond what a standard black belt would have. So, just tell me a little bit more about where you're at now with your training.
1: Uh, well, I um, I was. I was I've done several different uh, systems of, of martial arts over the 40 years, um, obviously judo, uh, hapkido, uh, various forms of karate, whereas it it's a buduru kenpo karate, or tosakai shudaru, or sanchi kai karate, um, and then I um, came across uh, this Filipino martial art called uh, Dorsi Paris, uh Eskrima, and I'd read a lot about it in bits, magazines, and Australasian fighting arts magazines, and it's Filipino-based, weapon-based, but I never sort of come across it as a school because it wasn't—it's really, not a mainstream martial arts in Australia. Uh, and I accidentally came across it because, it looked funny enough, I was trying to look for a BJJ class. This is back in two thousand and one, I think it was, mm. and I went to uh, to uh, fight right. In Blacktown, and I went on the wrong night. It wasn't the night for the BJJ. It was the <laughs> night for Dossy Paris, and I walked and I looked in. And I said, "What are they doing here?" And then I found out one of the instructors is telling me what it was. I said, "Great, I'm signing up." And um, just like that, just like that, yeah, yeah. Well, I, well um, I, think with all my years of, of judo and karate and kido. And uh, there was always this thing in my head about um, how the knife culture was getting worse and worse in Australia, more knife attacks, more people getting murdered and attacked by knives and stuff. And I felt there was not saying that all karate systems are like this, but the ones that I've been in, they didn't really have a good defense against a bladed weapon.
0: Um, well, just, just on that, you... You've made this um, observation with other systems, for example, you know, the karate systems or whatever else they may have been. Did you ever get the impression during that training that you would maybe one day, if you were unlucky enough, have to deal with a knife that was, scenario?
1: It's always been in the back of my mind. I mm. mean, when you, especially in, when you look, pick up the paper and there'd be three, four and a half attacks mm. in one day, you know, is back end. Well, I always look at this, when, I, when I've been training all these different systems, I've got black belts in, in various other systems and stuff like that. But every system I've gone to, bar none, have always had this uh, thing of we're the best, we don't need, you don't need to learn anything else, mm. including judo. I mean, but obviously that's that's typical propaganda that everybody has and um but you fall into that. He says, Oh judo's great, judo's great until it didn't work for me one time. But I had to and I wanted to change, I wanted to do a striking um style. So I went to Sanchikai karate um and learnt that that form of karate got to the brown belt, but then we moved to Sydney um back in nineteen eighty five. So I had to start all over again and find another then have Sanchakai here in in Sydney it was only Victoria, Queensland, and Tasmania. So, but every every school that I went to, and this is the only thing that I found um, that it's actually not it's not as bad to these days because a lot of people cross training with other other systems and stuff. But mm. back then it was our system is the best. Our system, you don't need to learn anything else. Well, it's not about the system; it's about the person. I think it's how much you're willing to to um, Uh, be honest with yourself. Mm. And I'm still, I still don't say that I'm, I'm the bill and the best all and stuff like that. I still believe I need a lot of work, you know, Mm. but it was even telling my students is if you, if you get to a stage, you need to learn something else, go ahead and do it. I don't, I don't stop anybody from doing anything because it's not about (sighs) the trouble with a lot of martial arts instructors is their ego. It's Mm. the biggest downfall for martial arts in, 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 in my opinion, your ego dictates how you uh, run your school, how you, how you run your business, how how you tell your students that you know this is the be all and end all, and um, being dishonest with yourself and with your students and stuff, mm. you know. And when they are, you see placards of them saying we're learning control, self-discipline, and self-defense. And when they put self-defense in there, they don't even know what self-defense is. Mm. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, thinking that you have to have a get to learn how to fight is self-defense. It's not. Self-defense is not getting to fight in the first place. I don't even like the word self-defense. I like rather self, um, self-protection. self mm. Protect yourself from, from,
0: you know. Tell me what... You, you've obviously seen so much... Um, what are some of the mistakes you think that people or parents make or adult students make when they walk into a school and decide that that's for them? What do you see as the mistakes that frequently happen?
1: Uh, first of all, a lot of them don't do research. I mean, when, you, when you're when you buying something, you know, you research. You know, if you're buying a car, you've got to research what's, what's, you know, How's it run? You, you find it. All the, you don't just go in and buy a, a brand new car or you go into a house, you expect, inspect the house, mm. do research, find out if it's if it's got any faults and stuff like that. That's they get got professionals to do that for you, say so this is that. Go into this martial arts school and just see people with uh, trophies on the wall and certificates. Mm. Um, do a bit of research with them. Mm. Find out what their background is. Find out if they're, if they're legit
2: because
1: mm. there's a lot of ones out there that aren't. Mm. You know, you, you know that yourself. Mm. You know? If you don't have a if you don't have a, a solid basis, whatever style it is, whether it's judo, karate, you know, Sambo, Widow, you know, Filipino martial arts, find mm. out if it's got a if it's got a legit lineage mm. and has has cred credibility in that. Also watch a class and see how the instructor teaches. See if he's a bully. Mm. See if he can't control his students. Mm. See if it's. Um, I mean, I went to a um, a grading for my uh, my niece. My brother is lived down at town Way, and he and he saw this. Um, he told me, he says, "Oh, my my daughter's going for a, her her um, orange belt. You want to come down and come watch the grading because it's open for him to watch." I said, "Oh, that'll be fine." Uh, so I went down there, and I was just. The, Sitting in the audience, a massive big place. The guy was loaded, you know, it's a beautiful big gym and stuff like that.
0: Nice shiny equipment, oh, aircon, oh, It was
1: Absolutely. I mean, he, he must have had a fortune to build this place. It looked like really I mean, had a had an octagon, had he had all these different things. You got BJJ there, you got karate, you got
2: um,
1: Filipino martial arts, you've got his war, just a huge big wall with trophies and certificates of all these black belts he's got. Mm. Anyway, as I go through the grading stuff, I'm looking on the wall and he's got a he's got a certificate for Kali. Kali is an, another name for Kali Screamer and he's Filipino martial arts. Had no lineage whatsoever on it. I don't know that it didn't have like, oh this is El or it's um, Buck Bacan or it's uh, Dorsey Paris or it's you know Lameco. It had no thing, just in Kali black belt, you know, it's. His bit of scribbles, you know, got mm. like that, but had no set lineage. I thought, well, that's a bit funny. And then um, had all these sticks in, in a big bucket. That's what they usually do. They put sticks in there, you know, the, the um, uh, Filipino sticks and stuff. And I was watching the grading stuff. And then these, the high rank, you could tell it was really traditional karate based stuff because the forms are very, very basic and what, you know. But when he had this knife defense, he's ex ex copper as well, which is quite funny. Um, and he's teaching these kids, okay, we're gonna go for the knife defense for um, for things. And he, if he's a Kali guy, he would know Filipino knife defense. Mm. It was all karate based stuff, and it was absolutely sh- a b- bad karate based stuff. Mm-hmm. Not not your. Uh, Kempo stuff or whatever I'm talking about like traditional, you know, Ancient. psycho, you know, yeah. with the arm up here and coming down like this and they're gonna come and attack you like that, you do this and do that, double block stuff. It's absolutely atrocious. Um and I don't normally like to to um, bag out on people, but I'm looking at that, and my brother's looking at me and he, he could big smile on his face, because he's going, What do you think of that? And I said, Horrible. Horrible. I'm sorry, it was horrible. And I and I don't normally have that sort of thing, but it's it was just it was woeful. Mm. And you're teaching kids this is how you defend against a knife. Mm. My best form of defense against a knife is Nike.
0: Yeah. Run Run like hell. Run away. (laughs)
1: You know, but I'm definitely looking to do what they were doing. So but yeah. So but there's a lot of people out there who have False, you know, certificates, mm. and yeah. So you, you've got to do your research. That's the that's the key. If you're if you're a parent that wants to um, send your kid to somewhere that's going to, now you, know, you got to look at what the motivation is, is for the kid to go there. You know, mm. is it going to be sports? They like the idea of getting gold medals and medals and stuff. And that's if that's what you want, and they they're willing to have that sort of stuff. That's fine. Yeah, if it's first. Self discipline or discipline, that's good too. If it's for a self defense, make sure it's a good self defense system. Now, that's hard to say because everybody says it's all self defense. But I, self defense is not just learning how to fight, self defense is learning how to have awareness, mm. you know, aware of your surroundings, your um, spatial awareness, your, your observational skills, how to avoid a situation in the first place, body language, um, things like that.
0: Yeah. That's that's, um, pretty interesting you say that because I've always been of the opinion that self-protection is that uh, step up or step away from the traditional martial arts experience that uh, anyone might have, which is self-protection in my eyes is just about making a decision before The problem actually starts. So, to you you know, you want to you want to have awareness. You want to have responsibility to yourself as well. You want to be decisive in your action, and then not only that, you want to have actually want to own that decision that you took. Now, specifically, what I'm talking about, and this is hypothetical, if you're backed up against the wall, for example. You've clearly missed out that hey, there was a threat down this alleyway and I I didn't How did you get that how did I get here? But hey, I'm here now, I've got to deal with it. So you you'd basically have to know that you're responsible for yourself. Now, yeah, okay, you can call the police, you can scream, but until help arrives, you're on your own. That's right. And the fact of the matter is in today's world people are more inclined to pull out their phone and film you getting your head broken instead of jump in to help you so you've got a responsibility to yourself
2: yeah
0: and it's at that point you're going to decide okay am i going to gouge this guy's eyes out am i going to kick him in the balls am i going to just continue to scream or am i going to take action just to get out of it sometimes things go wrong and you can expel force that you probably didn't intend but You've got to own that. Yeah. You've got to own that, and you've got to accept that. Hey, yeah, you know, maybe I did punch him in the head too hard, and now I don't know. Well, maybe yeah. he lost an eye.
1: Well, well, that's the, that's the thing. This is self. I don't like the word self defence because it means self. sounds like you're, you're in a fight. Self protection is like awareness of your surroundings. Like don't walk around with your head down, looking at your phone with earphones in and stuff like that. Mm. Where's your where's your awareness skills there? People get run over by buses and and get mugged and stuff like that. It's, it's about preparation.
0: You know? Prepar- yeah, being prepared.
1: Be prepared, you know. My, I was in the Boy Scouts as well, and so you know, it was the motto: we be prepared. Um, so go out there. I mean, um, I always tell my students and stuff. you said, know your, know where you live, know your house. You know where the choke points are, where the uh, entry points are, exit points are. What's in your in your house? The furniture layout. Can you do go through the, the house blindfolded? Can you? Is there anything that you can use as as a shield? Can you use anything as a, as a weapon? Uh, do you have any sort of security? You know, this is in your home. Landlord, mm. like, if you go out to a restaurant, do a quick walk around the restaurant, see where the choke points are, where the where the safety points are, the exit points. Look at what's what's uh, on your table that can be used as a as a self protection uh, tool. You know. Mm. It could be a tray. If you're in McDonald's, use a tray. It could be if you're in a restaurant with, you know, you've got steak knives, you've got Mm. salt and pepper shakers, you just take the top off, bang, you've got some salt in the guy's eye or whatever if he's Mm. he's attacking you. Look and don't just sit on your phone. Don't just head down and and eat away and stuff. Just observe. Mm. Um, I was at a, um, I think it was a Australia Day um, celebration many years ago. Uh, My girlfriend and I, Diane and I were and I went there to uh, at RSL at Blacktown, and uh, absolutely packed with 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 hundreds and hundreds of people, and everybody's like really sort of jostling to get to the bar and stuff. And it's literally the line up from, from one end of the bar to the other. And uh, something in my in my head said there's, there's going to be violence here. I could feel it. I could feel the tension in my in my head, in my body, and I told her and I said. Die! I think we've got to go. There's going to be violence here. And her friends were saying, oh, you're just paranoid. You're crazy. I said, no, no, we're going. So she died and said, okay, we'll go. So we, we walked out, got to the car. By the time we got home, her friends had rung up and said, a massive big brawl had happened. People sent to the hospital, literally people thrown through glass windows, people were glassed with, with um, schooners and stuff. Massive big brawl literally dozens of people had to go to the hospital
2: mm.
1: and I said how do you know this is observational I can see that there's tension in the air. I can see body language I can see people just jostling it just looked like it was about to explode mm. and uh, that book I gave you the gift of fear it goes on to how how we subconsciously can see things that our our conscious mind would ignore mm. but this, you get the, the hair on the back of your head mm. neck just Things or there's something wrong here, mm. we, don't, we might not recognize it, but we, our, our instincts will pick that up. Mm. Uh, it's one of, I think it's important, one of the best books I've ever read is The Gift of Fear. Gift of Fear by Gavin De Becker. Yes. That's right. Uh, but it's not, it's not a martial art book. You know, People think, oh, it's all about – it's not. It's about understanding what fear is, understanding how it can affect you, also understanding what to look for, how to avoid things, how to – To, uh, to read, read. To read. Mm. Read read your environment. Mm. You know, another book is uh, one of the best books as well is uh, uh, the Art of War. Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu. Mm. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Mm. You know, it tells you strategies you know, on how to deal with situations that are that are you you could be totally outnumbered or you could be you know in the wrong situation, the wrong place, wrong time. How to avoid things like that. I've avoided so many fights just by my observational skills.
0: Mm. Yeah, John. If, just going back to that scenario where you were at the RSL and you said that you had this um, feeling that this fight was going to break out or that there was going to be a, uh, an adverse scenario. I, I've got this. I, I've got this belief that you were able to. Sure, you were able to rationalise that. Hey, there's danger here, and I've got to get out. But the fact that you said to your missus at the time, hey, we should leave, not, hey, I'm going to leave. Do you think that has to do with, say, your experiences as a kid, being that you you were at school, you, you were quite sensitive to what was happening around you and you had this caring nature about yourself? If I'd go one step further and say that, look, if... You you did have that nature because you weren't like the kids that were picking on you. You weren't like the kids that were bullying you. Would Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I didn't even think think of it that way, but I always see it when I was that kid back then. I was like the the prey, and mm. you had the predators. Predators, obviously, the lions and tigers and wolves and stuff like that. And I was like the 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 deer or the or the the um you know the the sheep or whatever, but. Mm. You notice any animal as that is a, a prey uh, that is a prey for for the predators, they they're built differently. Their eyes are on the side of their head, so they can see more more widely. And they mm. have a larger field of vision. Mm. Their, their ears move around a lot, so they can pick up sensory things off any little sound. Yeah, and they're they're very very sensitive. They're designed to be like that, so they got more chance of survival. Mm. Uh, predators that have eyes in front, and they just focus in on their prey, and mm. and uh, and they're just built to to you know attack with big claws and fangs and stuff. Mm. Um, but obviously, when I was a when I was a kid, I was the prey, so I was always aware of my my surroundings, my because um, any anywhere around the corner it could be a bully,
2: mm.
1: you know, because they were basically always attacking me, so I was always on the defense. I yeah. think that brought that into. I have now. I've got both skills. Yeah. As far, I'm not a, I'm not a predator, but I could be in a, in a sense not a predator in a, in a in a bad way, but as in I've got skills now that that I can use, but I choose not to use them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a guy named Carl. You always talk about the the shadow, which everybody has. Jordan Pearson talks about it a lot. That we that we have within us, every human being, we have a dark side as well. Now, I had that dark side and it came out when I hit Robin Alexander. That just being that was the shadow coming out said, so No, enough is enough. I understand that now. But back then I didn't didn't know what was going on. Mm. But if you understand that you've got the shadow, then you can you can analyze and say, Well, I I've got it there, but I choose not to use it. Mm. Only when it's absolutely necessary to use it. And I, I believe that. These people who say who don't know how to fight and they're weak and they say oh, I'm just a pacifist. You're not a pacifist. A pacifist is somebody who has the capability of violence but chooses not to. That's a pacifist. Mm. You know, um, whereas somebody who can't do anything and he, he's weak and he and he has no skills whatsoever and he's and he's too scared to do anything, he can't be a pacifist because. It 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 it's not it's not uh, it's not in them. It's not in
0: them. It's not part of who they are yet. And they they they're the people who they they think, for lack of a better word, that they they're not missing anything. They're not missing any skills. They're not devoid of any expertise or knowledge which would enable them to survive something which is risky or dangerous. And I believe that it's unfortunate that. Basically, the way life is, you don't always get to pick when those situations come up. Sometimes those situations pick you, yeah. and you can't do anything to avoid them. Yeah. So it's at those times you can either be the prey, and you know get your face smashed in, or even worse, or you can be smart and decide that you're going to live another day. Yeah. And it means taking action. It means doing things that maybe you th- or weren't part of civilized society. Yeah. Or maybe doing things that weren't in your belief system once upon a time. Yeah. So
1: Well, I never thought I could hit somebody in the face before. I thought I hit somebody went am before that fight, I thought, how ooh, that'd be horrible. Imagine my knuckles hit somebody's face. It was repulsive to me. Yeah. But then when it happened, I said it was almost uh, a relief that it wasn't as as um, horrible to my, my co- I mean, I didn't like the idea of beating him up. We actually became friends afterwards. It's quite funny. We used to go fishing and stuff. Mm. He yeah, actually came up and apologized to me, and I apologized to him, and we became close friends. And we became friends because I think he was a weak person as well, but he wanted to be part of a gang. So that was, you know, a bad choice for him because he mm. picked the wrong person at the wrong time. That, but I realized that he was just like me. He wanted to be part of it, part of something. I didn't want to be part of any anybody because I was so uh, such a loner because of not have not having the capability of, of uh, making friends quickly. And every time we moved around, if I had a couple of friends and stuff, we move and have to move off and start all over again. It was it was a painful process of trying to get friends and stuff. So, but yeah. I, I became friends with him. Mm-hmm. So it's quite ironic that it happened that way.
0: Cool, John. Thanks very much.
1: You're welcome.
0: Thanks, you for. That's all. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to know more about self-protection training, please visit the website www.conquerorsforge.com.